Welcome to the show. It's episode five of Imposter Syndrome, a golf podcast. Lucky number five, it's February, it's Super Bowl week. It's cold and rainy as hell here in SoCal, but we're talking all things golf. I'm your host, Todd Howe, and as always, it's a pleasure to welcome my co-host. He's up to his knees in water today. Uh, the man who has arguably played much better golf than me this week as well, Mr. Sean Fagan. Hello, Todd. Good to see you off the links. It's amazing to me because I did feel like I played a lot better than you this past week, and yet same scores every day. <laughs> it's the scrambling, dude. It's the scrambling. Sneaky. God. You're sneaky. You got the uh, the experience on me. <laughs> I think our games are just <laughs> so polar opposite. You start hot. I start cold. I'd be okay. If I can continue starting hot, I'll be really thrilled. But yeah, for the time being, I don't know. I just can't sustain it. Can't sustain it. Got to figure out how to make it to the back nine, I guess. You got to play 18. All 18. That's right. It is Super Bowl week. Who you got? In Vegas, too. I'm going to root for the 49ers. I'm going to root for the 49ers. I want to see Debo Samuel and Brock Purdy get the uh, get the chip. Well, look, I'm a Niner fan. We have the party lined up to watch the game, and I'm going to be a nervous wreck. So, beer will be had. What's that hat you got on, dude? Olivas Links. Olivas Links, one of the best logos in all of Southern California golf, the Adirondack Lawn Chair. Got to love it. One of my favorites to play, certainly my favorite public course. I think I'm already on record as saying it's my favorite public course in L.A. It really is. That course sets up so well for me. I just love playing there. I always score relatively well there. And um, I love sitting in those chairs just watching people tee off. It's one of the really good things about that course. Hopefully, you don't have to sit too long. You know, hopefully the pace of play is good. But every once in a while when it bogs down, man, they're, uh, they're a game changer. Every golf course should have an Adirondack chair somewhere on the property. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm voting for that. So we played together this weekend. First tournament, Pinecone tournament. I dropped five shots in the first seven holes and went round par after that. I don't know what it is, man. My imposter syndrome starts on the first tee and then uh, and then dissipates. Slowly fades. You kind of get it out of the way, right? Yeah. And we recorded our Feel Like Rory for a day round last week as well. That was a hell of a lot of fun. So much fun. Yeah, we'll come back to that uh, a little bit later. God, my, I'm just looking at my stats for the weekend. 86% fairways, 33% greens in regulation, 28 putts. <laughs> Where's my problem area? <laughs> I have an idea, but you won't like the answer. No, I know what your answer is going to be. I need to get away from the blades and move into something a little more forgiving. And uh, don't worry, it's I'm warming to it. Okay. I'm too. Okay. It's it might be time because if you bump those greens up from 33 to 50 with the same amount of putts you're shooting 72s every day. Yeah, well my average is 50%. I think it might just be high 40s greens in regulation, but it's not good enough. Part of that is due to my length, but at the same time it's just uh I do need something that's just going to going to get me up to 60%. Yeah, still going to be better than me though. I swear I'm still probably I think I hit I hit five fairways in a row, and I believe I hit seven fairways on the day, even though you know I had five in a row on the back nine. And then as far as ball striking-wise and hitting greens, I think I hit nine greens, which is obviously not terrible. But, I mean, I don't remember the last time outside of maybe one or two rounds 
that I'll ever see 11, 12, 13 greens hit. That just never happens for me because my ball striking is truly poor. And uh, hopefully it flips. I did think I had a breakthrough from our feel like Rory round, though. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely diving deep into that one. Not not, not too deep. We're not going to give away anything just yet because uh, we've got the video coming out in the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go into it. Coming up today, we are recapping all the weekend's golf action or lack of golf action. It's been wet here in California, including the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Live Golf Tournament at Mayakoba, John Rahm making his first start there. Anthony Kim's return to pro golf is getting more exciting by the minute. We'll have more on that. The new PGA Enterprises venture, what that means for professional golf. TaylorMade suing Costco. I have to say, no surprises there. Um, <laughs> and the new PGA Tour Vision spatial app has been announced in the last uh, couple of days. You feel like wearing goggles for a couple of hours? I'll tell you what, like I've been dreaming of having uh, some sort of virtual reality situation where I can sit down on a chair and take off a fighter jet at full thrust and just do a straight up full unrestricted climb in virtual reality. I've wanted to do it for so long. It's always been too expensive. This new Apple thing is 3,500 bucks. I don't think that's still going to happen quite yet, but I look forward to the day that I can fly a fighter jet from my living room. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'm if I would ever fork out thirty five hundred dollars for something that I'll wear a couple of times and then just stick them in the drawer. I mean, that's that's my take on that. The feel like Rory for a day round is in the bag. Golf Digest had recently posted that for someone who drives the ball two hundred and fifty yards, like myself, and uh, you're a little bit longer, Sean. Not much. Uh, <laughs> that for guys like us to feel like Rory McIlroy, you'd have to play a course of fifty six hundred yards. So we went to Los Robles Greens last week and uh, put that to the test. I would like to thank Rafe Wolfgang, Jeff Lamb, and Johnny Wycall for giving up a day to help us make this happen. What legends! Yeah, exceptional work by those guys. Thanks also to Pinecone Golf Commish, Mr. Jared Langto, for arranging the day for us. We were blessed with incredible weather. I mean, given how bad it's been here in Southern California. Yeah, we got it in. Uh, the early morning sunlight was just gorgeous. It's going to look fantastic uh, when you see this video. We don't want to give too much away. Uh, we want you to see the results for yourself, but it was a ton of fun. I think the big takeaway for me is that no matter where you tee up from, you got to play a full 18 holes. That's probably the toughest thing to do. Yep. Uh, did you have any big breakthroughs from you know the the experience? It was just nice to be able to hit easy. We talked about this a lot on the course. Like uh, you, you found that on the front nine that it was just good to hit easy. I found it a lot easier on the back nine just to play a kind of smoother golf. Yeah, that was my big takeaway. And again, without spoiling too much, I feel like um, some of the pressure was taken off because we didn't have to play from seven thousand plus. And I felt like I could kind of walk into a shot, take a nice easy move, maybe even take a little bit extra club. And my ball striking was much better that day than maybe seven or eight of the previous rounds I played. Yeah, you were you were totally on it. I was a little bit nervous in front of the cameras, I think. Um, so I didn't really feel like I got going until well into the round. It's this world traveling rock star 
afraid of the cameras. That's funny. It's funny though. Like you put me on a stage in front of 10,000 people and it's way easier to perform than a room of five people. I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. I always found that. I, I drank it in. I really enjoyed the cameras. I enjoyed the attention. <laughs> yeah, you were shining, dude. Don't worry about that. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to see it. It was so much fun. I'm just glad that it kind of went the the right way. I think, you know, we all we both learned something really key. We both had some things to take with us to the next round. And I feel like my game was kind of mentally shifted in a positive direction after it, quite frankly. And I, I would actually recommend all players out there to consider playing from the up tees at least once. It's out of the ordinary. And if it's mentally a little bit easier, I think you can have even more fun playing golf. And that's something that obviously I love golfing, but when you're constantly playing from tees that are a lot, it can definitely take a little, you know, chip away at you a little bit and take a toll. So it was a, it was a great break, a great little vacation from the norm. And uh, I took a lot of positives from it. I think more people should play from the forward tees. Like if you don't, if there's nothing in it, or just say you're playing a money game, change it up. As we learn, you still got to get the ball in the hole. Let's go straight into the weekly recap. Anthony Kim is reportedly set to make his return to professional golf at the Live Golf Tournament in Jeddah on the 1st of March. Still no word about the size of the deal, but who cares really? Uh, it's only money. I absolutely cannot wait to see AK in action. It's just a shame he's not making his debut here on U.S. soil in Vegas this weekend, but I just hope he's competitive. Uh, what are you expecting from AK? I think uh, he's going to be a little rusty for sure, but you're going to see flashes because all of these players who have ever achieved at that level still have something to give. You know, he's kind of like the Bigfoot, right? The uh, the Yeti that's been hiding out for a long time. But I think he's going to come out and play. Uh, or at least hit a couple shots really nicely. And he's probably not going to make as many putts as he'd like. Yeah. Um, if you had to predict a team, AK would be on. Um, he's probably going to be in an exemption or whatever the live equivalent is. But <laughs> yeah, if he plays well and he has to join a team, who do you reckon is going to pick him? I don't know. I feel like him and Bryson would be a really good pairing. Uh, so it's at the Crushers. I don't know who they'd have to relegate off that team, but I like that opportunity for Bryson and AK to play together. Yeah. My jury's out right now. I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know the teams that well. I, I only know the cliques and the crushers and I think that's it. I think those are the only two team names I actually know. I have to talk to my friend, Joe. He knows all of them. Ripper GC. Ripper go GC, on. of course. Ripper GC. <laughs> Classic. They go way back. We're going to get into the to, to more live golf in a minute, but it's been another dud week for the PGA Tour, unfortunately, with the cancellation of the final day's play at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We're getting decimated here by bad weather in California right now, but reigning US Open champ Wyndham Clark shot 60 in the third round to be leading the event. And then the weather hit. The PGA Tour started out by postponing the final day, saying crowds and volunteers were not allowed on Sunday and that the uh, final round would start at 1 p.m. Then they postponed play until Monday before calling the whole thing off and declaring Wyndham Clark the winner of the tournament. It's just a bit of a disappointment, especially coming off the back of uh, last week's Farmers Insurance Open, which was pretty much a non-event for me. Um, but what I wanted to ask you, is Pebble obsolete, uh, except for maybe U.S. Open? 
No, they, I mean, they have the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. It's iconic. Everyone wants to play it. Everyone dreams of playing it. You know, I think it's still a perfect event for it. And if they grow the rough out a little bit and they get a little bit of wind, then it's still going to have some teeth. I just don't really know what the PGA Tour could have done this week. I mean, you know, four or five days of rain, they were dealing with some crazy wind during the practice rounds. And then obviously, you know, historically, if you have uh, any sort of event other than a major, you can only realistically play it for the five-ish days that it allows for. Pebble's still getting hit by rain now. I think they would maybe be able to start playing, you know, come Thursday this week. But they had ocean water on the 18th fairway. It's just a bum rap. And, you know, um, at the, uh, you know, if there is a, um, a silver lining to it, the U.S. Open champion, defending U.S. Open champion, shot the course record on Saturday to win the event. So on paper, it works out pretty good, I think. But, you know, it's kind of a tough, tough deal for sure for the PGA Tour. And I thought it was extremely evident this week that the momentum the PGA Tour has had over the last few years is pretty much gone. I would totally agree with that. Let's hope there's some redemption close to hand. This week, the PGA Tour moves to Arizona for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, or as it's affectionately known uh, in the area, the Wasted Management Phoenix Open. Sorry, uh, uh, you sent me an interesting compilation of a couple of drunk guys at the tournament from years past. The current weather forecast in Phoenix says rain for the first three days of the tournament. Of course. I really hope it stays away because it's one of the best tournaments of the year. It, it's really the tournament that kicks the season off into the next gear for me. Well, you are still in football mode until the Super Bowl. That's why. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. And look, on the subject of rain, God, I hope it stays away for the Genesis Invitational because uh, I've got tickets for Friday. You have to go. I mean, hopefully... Uh, you know, we've been in a drought for so long that this is actually probably really good for the uh, area. And yet we're so spoiled that we're hoping it doesn't rain. So these multimillionaires can hit a white golf ball around. It's pretty ironic. <laughs> 75 and sunny is uh, is what I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so who's your pick to win this week in Phoenix? I'm going with Min Woo Lee. <sighs> Min Woo Lee is interesting. Um I don't know. I kind of like the idea of Tony Finau finally winning something. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, he, he won last year in Mexico and then followed it up at the Rocket Mortgage, I believe, in Detroit two in a row. But he could use a signature win. And I'll go with uh, with Tony. So you got Tony and I've got Min Woo. I mean, Five Min, bucks? Min Woo's electric. Yeah. I mean, whoever gets the higher finish, sure. I'm in. All right. All right. Min Woo or Tony? Five bucks on it. Yeah. The first live golf tournament of the year kicked off in Mayacoba, Mexico this weekend. John Rahm, arguably, well, not really even arguably, he is the best player in the world, making his debut both uh, individually and with his new team, Legion 13. There's another team for you. Uh, yeah, Legion 13 walked away with the, the team winning their debut tournament. But it was a big win for Joaquin Neiman, winning in a four-hole playoff against Sergio Garcia that finished in the dark. Literally finished in the dark. They were all square after three holes in the playoff, and the officials stepped in and asked both of them if they even wanted to continue. And they were both 
really up for it. So uh, they literally finished in the dark with the Jumbotron being the sole source of light on on the 18th green. They went four times around, but it was it was exciting, especially given the fact that uh, the PGA Tour had been washed out. John Rahm coming in third there on his uh, on his debut in Live. Yeah, I couldn't find the CW on YouTube TV, so I didn't see it. There's a Live app. I oh. watched on the Live app. I'll yeah. forget the password to it. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll get you watching a live golf event at some point. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The state of pro golf, we keep coming back to the state of pro golf. Is live just there at the moment um, until golf can unify again? No, I think live is in, you know, Mohammed bin Salman's, you know, guest house sitting there. He owns it all. He loves it. He's probably like, this is great. Look at and, – and what's funny is he's obviously put all this pressure on the PGA Tour to figure things out, and we'll talk about PGA Enterprises coming up. But, you know, like Live isn't a placeholder for anything. It's its own thing, and, you know, it, it has created this flux, obviously, and we're going to have a bunch of rich guys from America think that they can outspend the Saudis, I suppose, in the interim – but there's clearly a long-term goal to unify it all. There has to be, you know, I think golf's in a tough spot, but MBS has Liv just in his hit his little dollhouse, and that's where he's playing with it. And as they keep taking these great players like Rom and Kepka and DJ and Cam Smith and, you know, name whoever else, you know, it's like, okay, well, now what? What does the PGA Tour do? And that's what we'll get into next. But what's your thought on it? You know, you have a little bit more worldly sports experience, right, outside yeah. of the, the microcosm of the U.S.? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when it comes to live golf, Greg Norman had a vision. Uh, look, and this is completely um, irrespective of my thoughts on live, whether I think it's exciting. I mean, I do struggle watching it um, because I just – there are a lot of things about it that I don't like. Um, but I'm not anti-live. Uh, at all. I'm not, I'm, I'm very much centered when it comes to pro golf. Um, but you know, I always thought that live was going to be a driving force for change in golf. And the reason I think that is because there are precedents in Australia and that precedent was the sport of cricket. Cricket isn't a sport that people really know in the USA, but it is. Sixer. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You're now a cricket fan. I nailed it. (laughs) But in the sport of cricket in the late 70s, Australian media mogul Kerry Packer established World Series cricket. Cricket at the time was steeped in tradition and legacy, much like the PGA Tour, and players were paid virtually nothing at the time. Packer offered to pay the players who joined good money, and those players were ostracized from the ICC, who ran the sport uh, and still run the sport. Mm-hmm. Um The traditional game at the time was five days long. It was called Test Match Cricket. Players wore white uniforms and used a red ball. And World Series Cricket was a one-day format. Players wore colored uniforms and they were using a white ball. Games were starting at around 2 p.m. and finishing at 10 p.m. So this was the invention of day-night matches, Mm. um, much much like baseball. Um, And it... It was so exciting that it revolutionized the sport worldwide. Um, And over the course of a couple of years, the game started to unify again and the ICC 
saw the writing on the wall and knew that the the momentum that World Series cricket had couldn't be stopped, and it all came together again. Greg Norman knew this, obviously. He understands that it's worked in the past, and this is kind of following along those lines. I mean, if someone's already laid it out for you, great, you know, and I think there's so many parallels. You know, they were ostracized when they left. They got paid good money. You know, they condensed the format, and they started getting good players, and the only difference is the live TV component doesn't seem to be there. It doesn't seem to be as compelling. You know, the one big takeaway I have from the PGA Tour that drives me crazy that I love watching the Masters and the US Open and the majors and things like that is a re- regular PGA Tour event. You just see so few, you know, actual shots hit. It's crazy. And then on top of that, when you go to YouTube and you want to show like a short, you know, format version of the PGA Tour event that just happened. All you see are highlights of guys making putts. It's like, I want to see them hit drives. I want to see the shot tracers. I want to see their second shots. I want to see the tension building. You can't do that when you're just clipping a bunch of like six to eight foot putts, you know, on top of each other. We all want to see more shots hit and we want to see more depth in the shots that are shown on TV. And usually on the PGA Tour broadcast, you'll only see, you know, a handful of drives, a handful of putts, and a couple groups. And I hope, you know, some of the new leadership at CBS uh, works on some things this year. They're going to bring a little bit more of a youthful vibe to it starting this year from what I understand, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We won't know until we know. The PGA Tour has entered into a new deal with the Strategic Sports Group, SSG, uh, which is a consortium led by Fenway Sports Group. Some interesting, you know, stats on this. Um, and, and basically, I, I got a lot of the the facts that we're going to read here from our friends at the Fried Egg Podcast. They did a really good job on the reporting. But basically, you know, Fenway Sports Group is kind of the main partner here. And you're going to have... Uh, 13 board seats. Okay. They're originally invested one and a half billion dollars, another one and a half billion potentially coming. Seven PGA Tour players are going to have a board seat here. So you're going to have a lot of player input, a majority of input. They also have this one extra seat for a policy board director from the PGA Tour. It's unclear if that seat is Tiger Woods or not. I think it probably would be. John Henry, Andy Cohen, another billionaire, Sam Kennedy, and Arthur Blank are going to take the others. And our good friend Jay Monahan is going to play CEO. Um, by the way, Jay Monahan used to be an executive vice president for Fenway Sports Group. Thought that was kind of an interesting little, little piece. And they're going to give out about 200 shares of equity to current and former PGA Tour players based on their career accolades, none of which we know how they're going to measure that. But, you know, if you take some of the best players and you think about all the money that they may have turned down by not going to live, some of these top, you know, 20 players in the world who stayed with the PGA Tour are going to be due anywhere from 20 to 30, maybe $40 million in equity in this supposed $12 billion PGA Tour enterprise. And the main idea behind this is, like you had said earlier with Liv, like, this is the placeholder, I think, to unify live with the PGA Tour. PGA Tour is going to continue to exist. Um, 
and they're going to hopefully figure out a way to loop the live players back in. But we, you know, we're going to have a lot of drama, you know, when you think about the amount of money that some of these guys turn down and then to end up all playing with them all nice again in the playground, you know, a year or two from now, hopefully it doesn't take much longer than that because we all know that no matter how much money Fenway sports group has, and the SSG group has PJ Tour Enterprises. They can't outspend the Saudis, so we'll see how that uh, how that kind of works. I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I would really hope that um, golf is unified inside twenty four months. How is Jay Monahan still like a thing? Like, what what's your thought on that? He's a Massachusetts guy, so like I'm conflicted here. I have no idea why he's still running the show. I don't understand how he has any trust from the players. He seems to have a Teflon suit. Yeah, it's weird how some of these guys just, just washes off him. It's very strange. He's got to have some things in his back pocket that is seriously helping leverage his position further. Because, I mean, it's kind yeah. of incredible. He's still there. Yeah, I have no idea how he's still in charge. Yeah, it's crazy. Yasser Al-Ramayan listed as chairman of uh, PGA Enterprises, but no mention in the press release. I was going to say, I wasn't aware that Yasser was the chairman. Supposedly, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out in the next week or so. Um, It's going to be a wild scene. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I still think Piff is holding all the cards. Yeah, I mean, the the PGA Tour, PGA Tour Enterprises are being very reactionary in this situation. They were stubborn for a really long time, and they didn't think ahead far enough to realize that, hey, we might actually have an exposed position here. And all it took was, you know, MBS to take out the checkbook. I think PIF is holding all the cards, and I think that SSG and everyone attached are dumb enough to think that they can win. Yeah, it seems that way. When you're a multi-billionaire, I think you have a little bit of bias that you're the king of your own universe and no one can tell you that you won't be able to do something. And, you know, hey, I mean, that gives you irrational confidence at times. I don't know. I mean, I just know that our boy John Henry uh, basically destroyed my, my Red Sox. So I don't have a ton of faith in him. You know, LeBron James is part of the Fenway Sports Group too, which is kind of a fun fact. I and, did see that. I yeah. did see that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess we don't have any power to stop it. We just hope and we have to kind of root for these guys to figure it all out. I guess at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. I'm done with all the money talk. You know, I couldn't give a shit who wins four point whatever million dollars or million dollars or whatever the amount is. I mean, it's just, okay. So, you know, that doesn't wow me. You know, I want to see good golf. That's it. You know, at what yeah. point do we, does, you know, the general public get a little tired of, you know, rooting for these guys? And I think a lot of that's yeah. started happening. In other news, TaylorMade is suing Costco and Indie Golf, Costco's design and manufacturing partner, for violation of TaylorMade's patents in the new Kirkland Signature Irons. Drawing comparisons between the new Kirkland Signature Irons and the second-gen TaylorMade P790s, the Costco website claims that Kirklands have an injection urethane insert, which TaylorMade says is false advertising and misleading. Look, these lawsuits happen all the time. PXG sued TaylorMade seven years ago for claiming infringements on its designs. Titleist and Costco sued each other over ball patents. 
I'm sure they'll settle out of court. Uh, all this just keeps the lawyers busy. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good way for Costco to get TaylorMade as their official golf club partner down the road. Um, my gut tells me that they're going to settle out of court and you're going to see TaylorMade irons sold directly to Costco soon. Callaway had a little deal with them for a bit. And why not be TaylorMade now? Costco's got a great infrastructure all over the world, great logistics, and um, a really steady and uh, loyal following. I think they'll probably figure out a way to uh, work things out. I just don't see Costco or TaylorMade being particularly financially damaged by this. By, I, by the way, did the Costco irons look nicer than the TaylorMade irons when they cut them in half? Oh, uh, I good. You, you you don't need to cut them in half to know that the Costco irons looked so much worse than the TaylorMade. <laughs> the chrome is the chrome is cheap. Yeah, but um, did you see the when golf, my golf spot cut them in half? Like the TaylorMades yeah. didn't look as clean and simple inside as the uh, Costco's did. Interesting. I don't know. Just an observation. I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't pay much attention to it. It was. Uh, I was still getting over the fact that my golf spy just chopped him in half in the first place. <laughs> Why like, not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, I guess it floats people's boats. Um, look, speaking of Taylor made, they released a video this week, a couple oh. of days ago. Tiger Woods talking about the new QI10 driver, Tiger. Someone, someone could have just yelled "cut" and let's do another take. Maybe Tiger had five minutes of his time spare, but he ummed and ahed his way uh, all the way through this video, saying how much he loved the QI10. That was a little hard to take from the goat. It's wild. I think he's kind of on cruise control when it comes to marketing his products at this point. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, more exciting though, Melbourne announcing a collaboration with Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, releasing some Larry swag. I thought it was pretty cool. Can you believe it? That's not a very good Larry David impression, but <laughs> that would be hilarious. And I can see a lot of people wearing that for sure. I uh, I think I might have to delve into the Larry swag. I can see you pulling the Larry swag off pretty well. Again, I think I'll probably abstain from the Larry David swag. I'm a huge Curb fan. Look, Seinfeld is uh, without question my favorite television comedy of all time. Wow. Okay. Uh, of all time. But uh, moving along, uh, the new PGA Tour Vision Spatial app was announced this week, offering anyone with uh, an Apple headset who's dropped three and a half thousand bucks the ability to move inside the ropes. It launched with the Par 37th at Pebble Beach this week and will expand weekly to include additional holes leading up to the Players' Championship. I would believe they would have to do uh, 16 at TPC Scottsdale, um, but I could be wrong there. Yeah, look, let's talk about VR golf. How do you feel about VR golf? I mean, the the biggest challenge with VR is the accessibility of it, and a $3,500 headset doesn't necessarily help it. However, you know, if you've been in a VR goggle at some point, and I certainly have a pretty you know, early stage VR too, your brain thinks that you are there. And that immersion is something that I feel like no, you know, console or computer game can really simulate and no 3D television can really simulate. But full immersion 
around a golf course, I think has legitimate potential to be really interesting, especially if it gives you a great seat, right? If you're sitting on the green at Pebble number six or, you know, 17 at TPC Sawgrass, 16 at Waste Management, I feel like that would be a really interesting wrinkle to the golf fan. I definitely think it's a little bit of a, um, you know, like a dog and pony show, but the immersion is what they need to get right. And if you feel like you're there or you're convincing your brain that you're surrounded, then I think that's a really cool experience. The challenge is no one's going to deal with it. No one's going to sit there and go into it for more than like five or 10 minutes. It's, you know, it's obviously a wholly different experience to be there, but if it can simulate it in short bursts, I think that could be really effective. I mean, how cool would it be if they had a VR um, immersion of 16 at Augusta when Tiger chipped in? Like that would be something that people would just pay to do. You know, so I think there's some legs here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, um, I think it has potential. I'm not the kind of person that really is interested in VR. You know, I'm very much about human interaction and human connection. And I just don't want to be putting a headset on, look, five to 10 minutes is fine. But, uh, you know, could you imagine watching four hours of golf with a headset on? Yeah, I mean, look, people will literally sit there and watch other people play video games for 8 to 12 hours a day. So I think there's still an audience for it. I really do. I do think it's an interesting wrinkle, but that's about it. I don't think it's something that people are going to go out of their way to do, right? Let's talk equipment. I was going to ask you, uh, what of the new equipment have you seen that's kind of gaining in popularity or getting a little bit more intention, people wanting to be uh, fit into? Done some QI10 fittings. Uh, Titleist still really strong. Cobra is trying to nip on the heels of everyone else, but I, I'm really happy with the Paradigm. I think the Paradigm's a really good club this year. Paradigm AI Smoke. I mean, it's they're all really good products, so it makes my job easy. And I think a lot of them have similar lineage to the prior generation. So it's not like there's a huge learning curve to understand what they do. I just think that all of the products are just a little bit more efficient with their design. They're certainly more forgiving. And I mean, it's just one more year of, uh, you know, we're getting to the point where these clubs are going to become almost so consistent that they're going to be hard to take out of people's hands year after year. Here's a question for you. Titleist will be releasing new drivers in around October timeframe. August or September from what I hear. Are you expecting Titleist to come out with something special? You know, I kind of am. I kind of am. I'm really excited. They're ran by a really smart group of engineers. I think they're going to come out with what's going to probably be considered like the best driver ever made. That's kind of my my hope and almost expectation. I just think, you know, the advantage that they have is they have a two-year cycle. And Titleist's advantage is they kind of get to sit back for that extra year and see where the market goes, see some of the trends, maybe R&D some of it, and then decide if that's the direction they want to go or they want to continue working in the you know more traditional direction. And without really knowing anything about the product, I would probably assume that there's going to be some carbon on maybe the top of the driver. But as far as any other information, like I don't have any, I haven't seen anything, I haven't talked to anyone specifically about 
you know, the product. I just think that's probably where the design elements and advantages are going to start going because you can make center of gravities lower if you carbon top the face. And I think Titleist has been careful because a lot of companies have had some challenges with carbon fiber and whatever they're going to put out is going to be like a perfectly fitted tuxedo of a golf club. And if it takes advantage of some of the forgiveness that the current drivers have with that same ATI face that they've really dominated on the PGA tour for, for upwards of four years now, um, I think it could very well be the best driver that's ever been released. And that's kind of my expectation. I'm excited to see it. I'm going to guess they're going to call the new driver, the TRX, the TRX, like T-Rex. Yeah. I think yeah. X is very possible. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved off of TS as well, but TS has been this like long-term program. It's like the Apollo program for them. So I think the smart money is probably on maintaining TS something. And TSX definitely kind of feels like it's closing the book on it. And that's probably where my money would be. Something with an X. Go to yeah. the next. Yeah, why not? It's the year of the X. All right. It's mailbag time, dude. Mailbag. mailbag. We've got four callers in this week. Cool. Uh, first up is the one, the only, the commissioner. Hey, Ace Man. Hey, Clutch. Commissioner. Long time hockey player. First time golfer. Hey, look, question. I play the same ball seven to nine rounds in a row. Are there negative effects to performance where the title is probably won when I get to that point? Thanks, guys. Seven to nine rounds with one golf ball? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's, there are negative uh, performance effects for me knowing that you're playing that many rounds with the ball. <laughs> um, look, the one thing I'll defend here is I do sometimes feel like there's a karma with a golf ball. And if you have good vibes going, you want to play that thing until the urethane peels off. The downside is, I mean, you hit any sort of dirt or scuff, like the ball absolutely will be affected in its flight. The higher the speed, the more the spin, the more the effect that the cut on the ball will have 100%. You'll see different drag coefficients. You'll see different spin axes, see different balances. Golf balls don't stay perfectly round throughout the round. And if you give it a big scrape, then it's obviously going to react a little differently than if it was perfectly maintained. Um, but at the same time, like I don't hate the idea of trying to make it through a round of golf with one golf ball. I think that's an honorable, um, an honorable journey, you know, to try and make it to the end. <laughs> you know, he's going to. Seven to nine rounds, though? Like, that doesn't really make sense. Did he mean holes or rounds? No, no. Seven to nine rounds. I mean, I mean let's look at his on. scores if they change over the course of it. Because it's possible. Like, I mean, it sounds crazy. But if you have a ball that spins different, right, it might actually help you after you've worn it down so much. Like, it might somehow help you. But for a tour player, I mean, they're going to go two or three holes before they replace each ball. Now, you know, us normal players, we can't afford to do that. I mean, five bucks a pop, good luck. But seven to nine rounds for one golf ball is pretty aggressive. And that might be a record. Yeah. I, I play <laughs> a new ball every round or every competitive round. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I won't I change that. it if I have like a if I have a high stakes tee shot on the next hole that I could lose a golf ball or could go in the water, I'll hit the old one as a as a tribute. Uh, I'll hit it and if I lose it I won't feel bad. The thing I really that grinds my gears is losing a brand new golf ball. So I try and avoid that situation even though it probably doesn't help me physically, um mentally it does. <laughs> All right, we got Alex coming up next. Uh, Alex is back for more. Hey, guys, it's Alex. Um, my question to you guys is there's lots of different types of grass used on golf courses, and it interacts with the club and ball differently. Pros generally know what types of grass is on each course and how it's going to interact with their shot, especially on short game. And amateurs don't really know uh, unless you really go into the intricate details and do the research on your own. It's hard to know, you know, what like rye or Bermuda is and how it's going to interact with your chips. So a lot of us on tight lies and on grass like Bermuda, you'll end up like chunking or you'll find it harder to interact with the ball. So do you guys feel like courses should go into more detail about, you know, this is the type of grass we use. This is how it's going to interact with your ball. Like maybe like a little notice board before the first tee or do you think that all golfers should be more informed about how grass interacts with their ball and all these different types of grass? Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like that question. I think the type of grass doesn't get brought up enough when it comes to, you know, everyday play. I love the idea of when you walk onto the golf course, you see a board that says what kind of grass you're playing on the greens, the fairway, the tee boxes, because the agronomy is an interesting thing and it's a huge variable. Plus, you know, I think just having the idea that, oh, I'm playing on this type of grass today, that will make you a smarter player with the awareness. You don't even typically see what type of grass you're playing on on scorecards because obviously grass can change over the course of the life of a golf course. But it has so much to do with, you know, the climate, the irrigation system, and, you know, a lot of other factors that will absolutely change how the golf course plays. And I, I think it would be great for a golf courses to be more upfront with what type of golf uh, grass you're playing on, for sure. Yeah, I don't know whether I would necessarily agree. I think if you're that concerned by what type of grass um, a course has, then you really need to do your own research. Honestly, I mean, that said, I mean, are you really going to go around and learn how to play out of different types of grasses? I think if you're an amateur, you just got to deal with it, you know, keep your short game relatively simple. Sure. But I mean, say short, like short game on Kakuya is completely different than short game on Bermuda, short game 100%. on like, I mean, it's, there's so many differences with how you use the bounce, how much speed you need into the ball, you know, um, from the Northeast, you play on bent grass and rye and you come down here, you can play on, you know, fescue at times, Kakuya, Bermuda, you know, some poa, like it can get really interesting. I just think that an amateur really just needs to keep the short game as simple as possible to accommodate most types of grasses. I mean, I, I see way too many amateurs being too cute most of the time and thinking that their short games are way better than they actually are. Yeah, for sure. Um, and playing shots that they shouldn't be playing. I guess there's merits to both, but you know, I, I would, that's overthinking. If I'm thinking about what type of grass and what the grass is going to do when I actually get to a golf course. No, no, I want to just go around and take my chances. 
Fair enough. That's me. Yeah. All right. We got the Saurus coming up. <laughs> Beast Man and Sean. Saurus here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Just throwing you guys a curveball today. Tell me what your perfect meal would be. Anything in the world. Dealer's choice. Thanks, guys. Also, go Niners. Go Niners. I'm going to start. My perfect meal anywhere in the world would be a restaurant in Glasgow, Scotland called Mother India. It is the best Indian restaurant. Interesting. So I think I thought Ryan was asking what kind of dish you would order. Like what's the perfect food, not necessarily the restaurant. Like what dish would you get at these places? Oh, it would be uh, it would be Vindaloo. Vindaloo. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Give I'm, it to me hot. I mean, I am a uh, ribeye guy, obviously. I'm a lobster guy. Um, but if I could make one perfect meal that I had to eat like over and over again, I'd probably make like a rice dish with some veggies and either chicken thigh kind of like blackened or um, I would just cut up a bunch of like New York strip and throw it in there, throw some avocado in there. And just, I could sustain my entire life off of a meal like that, a bowl of rice, meat and veggies. And I would just eat that to the face every single day. Um, and I should probably meal prep more cause I feel hungry just eating, just thinking about that actually. He's cooking steak right after we cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the Waystar. He's back for more too. Hey guys, Waystar checking in. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. My question for you is this. Uh, let's say you're the first group off at a busy muni. There's a foursome and you're all walking. What is the maximum amount of time that you should take to play that round? All right, guys. I mean, if you're the rabbit, you got to be done three and a half hours. If you're not done in yeah. three and a half hours, you're doing a disservice to everyone. Like the whole point of getting up early and getting it out on the course is to finish early. And if you're yeah. literally taking your time, get the hell out of the way. Like that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. Three and a half hours tops. Absolutely. And if you're the second group out, you should be right behind them. And if you're the third group out, you should be right behind those guys. <laughs> and you can see the pattern forming here. Uh, rounds are too slow. Speed it up. Um, it's going to benefit everyone, you know. While we're young. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, that's it for this week's mailbag. If you have any questions for us, call the Encino Golf Lab number. Leave a voicemail. The number is 323-230-3005. That number again is 323-230-3005. Let's do rapid fire. I uh, have concocted five questions for you. Okay. And I have concocted some questions for you too. I'll start. How about, how about I'll start today? Yeah. Look, let's do it. Let's do something different. You start. All right. Would you rather shoot 72, hitting the ball awful and making every putt, but hitting the ball just awful all day or shoot 72, hit the ball great and make absolutely nothing? I would scramble for the 72 all day. It's in my blood. Mm, fair enough. I used to be like that. Blood. I used to be like that. Yeah. Here's my question for you. What course would you want to shoot your first subpar round on? Longmeadow Country Club in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. That's the uh, the home track back in Western Mass. 
it's not super long. It's probably 68 or 6,900 yards, par 70. And uh, it's a great test from high school. That's kind of where all the ghosts are. So I'd like to break par there. All right. Rapid fire. Order coffee. What's your coffee? What's your drink? Straight up with cream. What kind of cream? No sugar? No sugar, just cream. Fair enough. Write yeah. that down. I'll expect it here at 7 a.m. Thanks, brother. Uh, my question, would you rather be a consummate ball striker or have the mental game of an elite pro golfer? I think the mental game of an elite pro golfer falls into the rest of your work. So I think that's a far more valuable trait, and I would always side on value. Yeah, I think you could shoot par. Uh, shoot under par uh, with that mental game. Oh, I know I could. I know yeah. I could. Yeah. yeah. All right, done deal. Um, Microsoft Outlook or Gmail? Oh, preferably neither, but Gmail. Gmail's way easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my question to you. If you could buy the links at Victoria, who would you have renovated? Gil Hans, obviously. Not Doak? Doesn't matter if Doak's not available. Like No, I like Gil. Any- I like I like Gil's design. Core Crenshaw a close second. And then uh, probably King Collins design third. Have you ever played the Links at Victoria? Nope. <laughs> the links at Victoria uh, is just off the 405 here. It has uh, been so uh, poorly maintained. The fairways are pretty much hard pan dirt. Well, is is that is that um, uh, River Ridge? Is that the same place? No. Okay. No. Then no. I the links. At, no, no. That's the Victoria course at River Ridge. The links at Victoria is uh, just off the 405 down Carson Way. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll go out there and play because it was designed by William Bell. It's falling into disrepair. Mm, you hate to see and it. So, yeah. There's a, it's and it's got a great layout. I played there, dirt fairways. I played there once, <laughs> and I, the I was the whole time around. I was thinking to myself, man, the bones of this golf course is really pretty damn good. And then I looked, and it was William Bell design, and that made sense. And mm. you know, I was also thinking. Man, if Gil Hans got his hands on this golf course, imagine how good it would be. So there we go. There we go. Let's hope that happens. Uh, one more question. iPhone or Android? iPhone. I'm done fiddling. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you got one more for me? Favorite comedy TV show of all time. Favorite comedy TV show? Mm-hmm. Family Guy. Family Guy's genius. It's been around forever. They know they don't stop running out of jokes. You did not specify if it could be animated or not, but I watched so much Family Guy in college. I remember half the episodes verbatim. So I'll go with that. No, that's totally valid, dude. Totally valid. Family Guy is uh is one hell of a good show. Not quite yeah. Seinfeld, <laughs> but we'll take it. I can't, you know, be on your turf. <laughs> Yeah, Seinfeld. I grew up. I grew up with Seinfeld right there. I was, oh man, I was eighteen when Seinfeld came out, and mm. you know, it was syndicated so much that it's just ingrained into my um, my brain. 
Perfect. I could probably recite pretty much any episode. But. All right. Well, what's not your favorite, but the best non-comedy TV show of all time? Oh, dude. You've gazumped me on that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Survivor. I really am. Survivor, I'd never watched it. Me and my girlfriend gave it a shot maybe a year ago. Since then, and, you know, they're all on Paramount Plus, so you can just like, you know, digest these things. You can chug them by the 35-minute episode. Um, that show is so rock solid in its design. It's kind of the perfect TV show. And I never thought that these people actually, you know, went through anything. When you go through season by season, you will always find people who have very clearly changed their worldview on everything, social, societal, economic, like they're, they look different when they leave. Now, granted, they also lose like 25, 30 pounds and they're out in the forest in rainstorms for, you know, now it's like 24 days. It used to be 39 days, but I mean, you can't fake that. And it's amazing to see the transformation some of these people go through for quote unquote only a million dollars in prize. You know, when you consider that the PGA Tour players will win three point six million or in a weekend, um, that I think is the best show. They've have like forty seven seasons now. Like it's insane. It just keeps going. Um, I would argue that's probably the best TV show of all time. Forty seven seasons. The the winner of the first five seasons is, pro- you know, they're probably dead by now, right? <laughs> Potentially. I mean, Richard Hatch did go to jail for a while for not paying taxes. Uh, I don't think he's dead, but I'm sure there's uh, a, it, it's possible there could be a double digit percentage of um, participants who have expired to this point. Yes. I think that's very possible. I cannot do reality TV. Yeah. This and isn't really reality TV though. Like it's the yeah. best reality TV, but it's it's hard. You can't really fake the stuff. You, it just they are going through some real stuff, and I never gave them credit for that until I started watching. Yeah, well, I, I would like to think that I'm a survivor. I could see you doing it. Totally, totally. Uh, I could not see myself doing that show. <laughs> um, just you know, life in general. I'm yeah. a survivor. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh. Well, we've come to an end. Made it. Just for the week, just for the first week of February. Thanks for listening to the show. It's time to go. Another big month in golf is uh, is upon us. Thank you, Sean Fagan, for joining me again this week. I know uh, it's been a crazy day for you in the rain. Thanks for hosting, as always, Todd. Doesn't happen without you. You got it, brother. Uh, please like, subscribe, and leave a rating or review wherever you can. It's so important to us. I can't stress that enough. You can follow us on Instagram at Imposter Golf Pod. You can follow us on YouTube at Imposter Golf Pod. You can follow Sean Fagan on Instagram at SKF Golf. You can follow me on Instagram at NCNO Golf Lab. If you have any questions at all regarding fitting and building, please send us a DM on Instagram at Imposter Golf Pod. But until next time, folks, if you're going to drink and drive, keep up the pace of play three and a half hours. Adios. Peace.